Five Ways That Generative AI Is Changing Search with Ben Howe. The In Search SEO podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all in one SEO platform that helps skill your business through data and analytics. It's David. We've all seen the AI headlines recently. And on this episode, we're aiming to separate the facts from the scare stories. How much is generative AI actually changing search right now? We're discussing that with a man who describes himself as a mix between a country house snooper and a triathlete in decline. He's a published SEO author, a training producer, and a conference speaker. A warm welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, SEO director at SEOMG, Ben Howe. Hey, thanks. It was a great introduction. Well, thank you. Partly provided by your great self, of course, Ben. Um, it's always useful when um, I'm aware of some interesting facts. You, you don't particularly look like you're in decline, though. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. Well, maybe you can join me on a cycle ride on Saturday and you'll see, you'll see the truth. Mm, maybe not, but <laughs> we'll see. Maybe, maybe down to the nearest pub or something like that, possibly, depending on how long it is. <laughs> well, you can find Ben over at seomg.co.uk. So, Ben, today you're sharing five ways that generative AI is changing search. So starting off with number one, it's an outlet for curious search professionals to develop, innovate or work more effectively without gatekeepers or barriers. Yeah, sure. So I thought this was a good one to start with because it's quite positive. And I think in the search industry, a lot of the chat to date has been quite doom and gloom or creates a bit of a state of anxiety perhaps what the immediate future will hold, but there are definitely positives. And so it's a nice place to start. And I think one of the, the main ways that generative AI is impacting uh, SEO now is the way in which it helps people innovate on their own terms. So conceptually, I might know something is possible. I might lack the skill or I might lack the initial direction to do it. But already with generative AI, still not, not only recently mainstream, you know, I'm able to exploit it to do things that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. So for example, if I want to generate some logic for a particularly advanced call extraction, I know that it's conceptually possible that I might be struggling just to finesse it and using generative AI to help me is, is just can save eight hours just to get that punch in the right direction and similarly you know like we've seen common uses already like um folk using it to get example structured data markup and things like this things just to get a nudge in the right direction which otherwise would take you really long time and um yeah i think there are so many different ways that it has been used that focused all sort of finessing that we're really just we're just in the start of the journey for how generative AI can help people in search. And obviously you don't want to encourage your team to innovate too much on client websites. So do you have maybe a set of sites that an, uh, an agency, that your agency can test on, that perhaps you own and operate, or do you encourage your team members to have their own sites that they test on? And also how often should they be innovating and testing newer ways to do things? Yeah, it's some good questions. Well, I mean, several of us have our own websites because, you know, to, to be a top class organic search marketer, you, you should have your own 
website or websites that you're able to test things on. So um, my teammates are always welcome to try things out on my blog. My colleague has a, a site, which um, is astoundingly unsuccessful as, as people admit to do. So that's always a, a platform for folks to um, uh, try things on. The way we're actually set up as a business is that we, we have time set aside development on a monthly basis. So it's just a bit of contingency time, which folk are able to complete um, all their rostered work on time. You know, there's a bit of contingency time there to experiment with things and drive innovation and, and teammates are measured against what extent they can bring their innovation into deliverables that the rest of us can use, tools that the rest of us can use. So there's a culture of innovation here, but we, are, we do have our own websites that we're encouraged to try things out on. It's funny, um, when I first got involved with um, having a, a proper full-time job, it, it was a digital marketing manager at the time that it led into SEO, but um, it was almost frowned upon uh, to have your own little entrepreneurial activities going, but it's, it's certainly not the case anymore. I don't think so. I think it's such an advice. If I'm interviewing somebody, it really piques my interest if I know that they've got something which they work on on the side as a bit of a hobby and it shows a genuine interest in the, the work that they do. Yes, no, definitely. Nowadays, absolutely. Um, I'm just thinking about um, back in maybe 2006, 2007 or so, it was a slightly different climate and you tended to have maybe a more predictable path that you looked at but maybe people within agencies um were always on the lookout for individuals that had that individual spark about them sure yeah maybe <laughs> okay well slight tangent there let's take us up to number two um so the second way that uh, generative ai is changing searches is a challenge to the long established status quo of google dominance well i would say uh, actually when i first started considering this i was a lot more certain about this point and i'd say even three four weeks down the line from having this initially thought i'm actually less confident about it but in principle you know, google has been the dominant search engine for such a long time amongst traditional search engines and things search to the experience was launched first and it's still as we see it's a better better product than google's own search generative experience i think most search marketers would come to that conclusion so far. So even as recently as a few weeks ago, there's a, there was a real opportunity there for thing to steal a march on Google and take a chunk out of their market share. And while Google have since released Bard in a sense in the UK, you know, they still haven't rolled out a full search generative experience in the UK. They did not leverage that first mover advantage at all. Like we've seen no discernible signs of, of Lots of market share from Google towards Bing in the US, where search generative experiences exist for, for Google in, in some form. And in the UK, we've seen no evidence of it either, where, where Bing search generative experience has been uh, launched sooner as well. So, yeah, that's really interesting there. There was a chance for um, others to steal a march on Google. Google's product is still not up to scratch, but people don't seem to be leaving Google as a platform. You know, if, any, if there's anyone that's taking market share out of Google at the moment, it's the likes of TikTok and Instagram rather than uh, a, another traditional search engine with, with a better feature. Is, is there any indication that the way that people use search is likely to 
be altered uh, because of AT- AI. Uh, for instance, um, you can imagine that um, in the past when people were researching, deciding if they were going to buy a particular product in the future, they would be looking down the various SERP results and perhaps comparing, contrasting uh, different options there. And AI potentially leads us towards um, finding us a definitive answer as opposed to a, a set of uh, potential recommendations. It's definitely possible. I mean, with any any major industrial disruption, industry disruption, user behavior lags quite some way behind that innovation. So, you know, even if a full flat in your face search generative experience was launched in the UK and Google tomorrow, I think there would be 12 months or more before we really started to see the full effect of that in people's search um, search behavior. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's because um, SEOs are slightly more likely to be on top of the technology trend than um, the average consumer. Uh, yeah, possibly. Possibly. I don't think uh, as, a, as a search engine professional, you can assume your own behavior is going to be the same as the average punter. I mean, one thing that is, is true is that in recent years, search behavior, while there's been not an awful lot of innovation in search beyond just the look and feel of search results, people have continued to send more and more and more results to publishers, while at the same time, a greater proportion of results have been kept on the SERP. So that might seem like a contradiction, but what it shows us is just more and more people, people are carrying out more searches as part of their day-to-day lives. They're, they're, they're seeing the value of a single search is lower than the value of a single search perhaps 10 years or so ago. So I've no doubt that search behaviors will continue to change, but I'm not expecting anything sudden as a result of a new search experience. And your point number three is measurement and reporting as we know it might become a near impossible nightmare. Yeah, yeah that's a bit over the top, but um, <laughs> one, of my, one of the observations from the search generative experience from, from colleagues in the US is where results are publishing Google search generative experience, sometimes related websites are listed almost like in sources or, um, or, you know, read more. And, um, those, uh, results are, appear to be classified in Google analytics as direct traffic, not as organic search. So automatically there's a bit of a challenge there with, with organic reporting principles that cause results to be lifted in and website links to be lifted into that search generative experience sound very similar to principles of DEAT that we are used to in uh, core search results at the moment. So we're encouraging sites to optimize the considerations, but then the traffic that's won through that is seemingly being tracked as direct traffic, not as organic. So that poses a bit of a challenge. Likewise, for rank tracking, we generally a bit more relaxed about tracking fluctuations in ranking where, where we work, but um, still, I mean, with the search generative experience in Google looking like it's going to take up so much of the above the fold space, rank tracking is not going to be as valuable a success metric as it was previously, you know? So I think there was, there's definitely going to be a need to innovate the most common means of reporting for organic search. And um, I haven't seen any organization or any search influencer really come up with a compelling, coherent solution yet. 
So I think the industry is just lagging a bit behind on that. And that's something that'll probably come out in the wash in the next few months. And taking a, a massive sidetrack for a single question, in relation to measurement, has GA4 made that more challenging? Um, actually, it's quite convenient, to be honest, because folk who are having to scrutinise GA4 um, properties that were set up a year ago, uh, most, I think it's no secret, that most search marketers sort of set them up a year ago haven't really used them. And um, we're now in the last month and probably next month or so really scrutinising how things are configured and could be further optimised beyond just a basic setup. So when you're working with clients and you're trying to sell in change to established metrics, sometimes it can be a bit challenging and it's quite a nice opportunity to loop these things in and together in a project rather than, uh, you know, set up folks, GA4 properties configure them now, now that we're being confronted with it. And then in about three months time, asking to rip everything up again, so we've got to consider a search generative experience. Now, if that Google search generative experience is rolled out any, any week now in the UK, like we're expecting, it's a nice opportunity to bundle GA4 changes and search generative experience changes into reporting in one go. And your fourth way that generative AI is changing search is sites will get less top of funnel traffic. It's just inevitable where we've seen examples of the search generative experience in play in the US and they're generally for very, very top of funnel queries. And with them taking up such dominant position in, in search results, it's just a, it's just inevitable that that top of funnel traffic will be lost for websites. So that's not great news necessarily for sites that monetize through ads, like, I don't know, publishers or maybe even affiliates or something, but it's going to hurt so sanity metrics for those top of funnel queries. I wouldn't really expect it to hurt, um, conversions where last touch attribution is concerned. Most of the clients we were with are used to using a last touch attribution and haven't really seen evidence of that search generative experience is currently being surfaced for those money, quote unquote, money queries. But it's just a, just the fact that top of funnel traffic is going to be affected. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say a follow-up question on that. I mean, I'm just wondering what that means for top of funnel tra- uh, strategies for content that you're producing to attract those types of keywords. I mean, not so important now? Yeah, just... Folk will have to be um, more disciplined in focusing on the riches and the riches and the niches and um, things that may have been appealing as a top of funnel are just going to not not be so appealing now because um, simply getting the numbers in the, the raw numbers in that top of funnel for conversion is going to be more difficult. And it, it does lead on quite nicely actually to my final point. I think if we want to just segue straight into that. Search marketers, yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was reading it out or you were. Yeah, you go for it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, sure. So, um, my fifth point was that I think search marketers will find that they're wanting to up their conversion game. <clears throat> this is this is really a direct result of that that previous point. So, as search marketers, I think in general we use an easier and quicker and more effective just to get sheer numbers in to a site at the top of the funnel. And really just think like it's a numbers game. We don't have to obsess over that conversion optimization because, you know, A-B testing can take months and it can be inconclusive and it's easy to get bogged down in details for, for conversion. And oftentimes it's just easier to go, oh, just, just get it. If we get enough traffic in the top of the funnel, things will filter through. And that mindset probably will have to change if top of funnel queries are, are harder to, to win site entrances for. Yeah, we'll have to focus, be, be more focused on those lower volume 
conversion type queries, which would just mean a bit more of a focus on, on getting conversions from that traffic, which is just a bit of a mentality shift really for a lot of search marketers. A lot of search marketers have the skills, but until now haven't, that's just um, organic search marketers haven't really been faced with, with having to confront this or fairly mundane world of A-B testing for conversion. Well, I, I, I sense um, potentially several follow-up episodes on things like um, X-Ways that uh, top, top of funnel, um, or, or rather the, the other way around, um, X-Ways that AI is changing top of funnel keyword um, strategy or um, different strategies. So much more that can be discussed, but uh, let's quickly dance on to... The Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says that you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort? I would say, probably given what we are just talking about, about the difficulty with, um, potential difficulty of top of funnel site entrances, I'd say our tip at the moment would be scale content for these bottom of funnel, bottom of towards bottom of funnel type queries, where it's going to, the, the volumes are, volumes are lower, intent is higher. And previously, you know, you might have, um, you might have to achieve a slightly better ranking position for some of these bottom of funnel queries in order to get the click-through rate. So my Pareto principle advice would be scale bottom of funnel content as much as possible to future-proof uh, these efforts. Yeah. Superb. Well, there's so much that I'd like to ask about how to do that, but hopefully we can have that discussion another time. In the meantime, I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Ben Howe over at seomg.co.uk. Ben, thanks so much for being on the InSearch SEO podcast. Cheers. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at rankranger.com. Yeah.